This is a Radio 191 FM podcast. Uh, now it's time for a very exciting part of the show. It's uh, Creature of the Week with Andy Johnson. Kia ora, Andy. How's Ki- it going, man? Kia ora. Good. Thank you. How are you? I'm, I'm doing great. It's yep. a sunny day. It's a gorgeous day it's outside. Day. It's fantastic. Uh, and today, even perhaps for butterflies. Oh, you know, great segue. Fantastic. Great segue. Uh, so we're talking about butterflies. We are, we are, yes. Why? Well, <laughs> well, you know, we've, there's been a lot of news in the uh, around the world this week. Um, and uh, un- unfortunately, very tragically, our, our, the Queen died, you know. Um, so our monarch passed away. So monarch, 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 monarch butterflies. Goddamn. It's butterfly time. time. It's butterfly time. Um, yes... Uh, monarch butterflies, they're, they're everywhere, aren't they? They're everywhere. So they're, they're not native to New Zealand. But they're, we do have natives. But we have so many natives. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was, I was, I was looking into all this. Like, how many, how many species of invertebrates, like bugs, do you think are in the world? I wouldn't know how many species. Guessing, you know, yep. would it be it, the millions, perhaps? It's, it's unfathomable. Two heaps. to thirty million different species of wow. insects in the world. Somewhere in between there. That's Lot a them, pretty big range of estimates. Yeah, right. Because we don't two to thirty. To thirty, million, right? Somewhere in between. Because we, we don't fully understand. We haven't. We haven't. Uh, we haven't looked at them all. We haven't uh, described them all. Because there's just so many out there, right? It's crazy. And of those, uh, seventeen thousand five hundred are butterflies. Oh wow! So there's okay. a lot of butterflies yeah, yeah. as well. Heaps of butterflies. And if we if we bring if we bring that down even further into New Zealand, New Zealand has about 62 butterfly species here. Yeah. With 46 of them only found here. Wow. So oh, wow. most of the species of butterflies here in NZ are only found in NZ. That's really, really cool because cool, normally when you like think of native species, you think of birds and you mm-hmm. think of various plants, but you don't really think of butterflies. Butterflies. And there's so many of them. 46. Yeah. And are they? particularly special in any way our butterflies are they different to the rest of the world's butterflies they're a little different yeah for sure they're they're like um most of our native species are a bit smaller than than usual other other um butterflies um and many of them live in the alpine habitats so so quite high up um altitude wise so they're very like away from the cities away from people so a lot of people won't often see them unless they go for hikes or tramps and then you'll see them along you know your walks and whatnot um but they also fly at quite varied heights as well, so you know we're very um, used to monarch butterflies flying at eye, eye levels. So we see them all the time. It's really cool when you see them. I, I, I love seeing them. But um, other species that we have, like uh, forest ringlets, they they fly right at the top of the canopy, the tree canopy. So wow. you never really see them. And you've got other ones like uh, common blues or coppers that fly right along the ground. So you very uh, easily overlooked as well. Yeah. So there, there, there's so many here, and they're quite difficult to see as well. And they're, they're yeah. incredible, I reckon. That's there's a whole world beyond our eyeline, isn't there? There's there is, a, especially when you get so so deep into like bugs and insects and stuff. It's it's quite incredible. So are there any native backyard species, if you will? Are there any species that we might see in our backyard, perhaps? Yeah, well, I mean, a lot of them will come to the backyard if there is reason to come to the backyard so often that means that they have to have some sort of plant or whatnot that they're going to feed upon or, or lay their eggs in so if there are native um plants in your garden then yeah you're more likely to see some native butterflies for sure another incentive to plant native another in your garden one, right yeah. another one. we talked about bees a while ago and that was yes. also a, a, yeah. a takeaway was to plant some some native trees and native flowers in your garden what plants specifically do they like well uh, it, it just a lot of them kind of depend on um, very like specific ones. So you know when we talk about um, monarch butterflies, it's very common to talk about swamp plants or, or milkweed. You know, like that's what you plant and the yeah, crystals yeah. go on, right? The ones that pop, you can pop the thing. You know those. And they're kind of like uh, milky, and are they? Maybe I'm thinking of different ones. I know butterflies love hanging around these kind of specific plants that have these pods that kind of fill with air and you can pop them. Oh, okay. They no, have some outside the front of the Otago Museum. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. But those plants. They might be one of those. They'll be yeah. one of them. 
Um, and the one that the, the the species that I wanted to look into more particularly for this um, segment was the red admiral. Mm. And so the red admiral is kind of like it's it's this beautiful. Um, Kind of black and brown butterfly, but there's these incredible streaks of red along it with little dots of white. And so, particularly for that species, they really like um, uh, nettle plants. Right. So things like you might feel like stinging nettle or those kind of species. So yeah, why would you like those? I know. Well, well, it's it's quite interesting because they um, the reason they enjoy these nettle plants is because other people like us don't like the nettle plants, so they can find a bit of refuge in them. They're, they're um, when they're sort of. Uh, eating and whatnot, they often curl um, the nettle leaf around themselves oh, wow. in order to protect themselves from other species that wow, might try to get them. Cool. It's, it kind of sounds like Nemo and a stinging anemone. Yeah, it's exactly the same concept, yeah. right? These this like um, co-evolution almost or something of of plants and insects living together. Like mm. one, they can they can work off of each other, which is uh, which is amazing. This mutualism is what's called in, in biology. How cool. Very interesting. Uh, uh, and so the Red Admiral. Yes. Uh, uh, aptly named. They are very beautiful. I, I googled them earlier and they're really pretty things. They're fantastic. Eh? Um, they they also have some cultural significance to them, huh? They do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there's... there's so um, so in Toreo, uh, the Red Admiral is called the uh, Kahukura. Or Kahukura. I try, I'm trying to learn to roll my R's and stuff when speaking when speaking Toreo. Um, but that means uh, Red Cloak is, is the translation right. due to its sort of uh, beautiful reds that it has on it. Um, it's fantastic. And there's also even some stories of the Red Amor in sort of Maori myths as well. Right. So I had a look into it. So um, uh, what I found was that um, there's a story that um, involves Maui, a very, mm. very famous uh, Maori um, legend. Uh, so the story goes uh, to avenge um, his sister Mahuika. The uh, a goddess sought a drop of Maui's blood so that she could cast a spell on him. So they, they're trying to like do that. In order to do that, she asked a red admiral to spy and try and get this blood from Maui. But because the red admiral was so beautiful and red, Maui saw it straight away and slapped it out of the air. <laughs> so the next thing she sent over instead was she sent a mosquito to try and get the blood. But the mosquito was too loud, and so Maui saw it, slapped it out of the air again. And finally, uh, this goddess sent a sandfly, and that was sneaky enough and clever enough to get into Maui and, and, and get the blood. So. Fascinating. Yeah, so we've also got like a bit of a yeah, a bit of a history within legend within that kind of uh, that world as well. Right. They're, yeah, they're known in legend for being bright and easily spotable. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. How cool. Um, really cool. And so yeah, th- those those ones. Uh, where can we find them? Red admirals. Um, so they're they're found all over New Zealand. Oh wow! They're actually like fairly common enough to see. Um, so there's two species. There's one species that is on mainland New Zealand, and a separate species, a subspecies that exists on the the Chatham Islands. So they're they're kind of there as well. Um, just due to speciation, you know, they went to the islands and they slightly differed in their in their species. Um, but you can find them sort of like. Usually, uh, more often on the perimeters of cities, or if you go out into the into the bush, you'll be able to find them there. Um, but anywhere that has these sort of plants in them, uh, plants also that provide food, like rata flowers, will also uh, provide food for red admirals. So if you go to these kind of locations, you'll be able to see them. I guess I, another question I have in relation to Maui being able to easily spot them and yes. spot them out of the air is how is how does that provide an adaptive advantage if you're just that visible? Red, red's, red's such a visible colour in yep. nature that's green and stuff. Why why would you want to be spotted, especially if there are hungry birds around? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think I think the the red so the red um, itself is on the top sides of the wings of the butterflies, mm. right? Looking looking down, like on the top spread. 
Um, and that is more for yeah, distinction and for probably sexual dimorphism or, or sexual mating um, stuff as well. Um, but when they, what the, the way to sort of protect themselves from that issue of being so brightly red is that when they fold their wings up next to each other, the undersides are actually just like a mottled sort of brown and white and black. And that's where the camouflage comes into. Right. So once they've landed on a plant or something, they, they then put they the go camo mode. Then right? they go camo mode, right? They've got like a, a stealth mode that they yeah. can sort of activate. Um, that kind of brings another thing to mind. And it's maybe something that we should mention. Um, what about the kind of ugly step sibling of the butterfly oh the the moth oh well uh, i i have a controversial uh, opinion really i think moths are more beautiful than butterflies. no way yeah really? yeah i'm i'm in that camp i know i'm please argue that because to me they uh, they kind of just seem dirty and well to me they're they're these like fluffy little furry um you know uh, butterflies if you if you look at the uh, face of a butterfly kind of scary it's kind of this like um you know, very insectoid you know well not um uh, look but but the moth has these like big eyes and furry head and little antennae and it's i think it's really cute i actually i they do have a very cool kind of feather like antennae yes yes yeah. oh my god it's gorgeous no, i'm starting to come around to okay cool, cool cool but this isn't to discredit butterflies i love butterflies <laughs> as well I love, we shouldn't really put these guys up it's, it's all love around here it shouldn't be competition but actually um Butterflies and moths uh, are both from the same order. They're from the order um, Lepidoptera, so they're both they're very like similar species. So actually, someone that um, studies butterflies and studies moths are called uh, Lepidopterists. Mm. So after you've listened to our talk today, you can call yourself a Lepidopterist <laughs> potentially. How are that? The budding Lepidopterist. Um, what, what about the issues with butterflies? Are, are, are they? Are the native ones endangered in any way? Yeah, well, unfortunately, um, looking at the red emerald and specifically, I, like I said, it is found all over the place, but a lot of experts have said that it's been going down in numbers, like declining in numbers. Um, a few issues with that. One is just a lack of uh, plants that it can feed upon. You know, these sort of nettles aren't very nice to have in your gardens, but a lot of people get rid of them, um, so that's an issue. But another one is that they're being predated upon by wasps. Which is ah. which is pretty scary stuff, and it's it's very like gruesome, almost like zombie like this this uh, this issue that they have. Basically, um, in the 1930s, uh, wasps were brought over to New Zealand in order to help fight the issue of the white cabbage butterfly. The classic, yeah, colonial, throw another animal. So at just throw it out, yeah, it'll, it'll yeah. fix it, right? So these these cabbage butterflies, you might have seen them before. They're quite little small white butterflies. Yeah, you quite so often see them yeah. in the city and in, in your garden. Um, well, they're, they're a huge agricultural pest, so they'll eat um, a lot of our agriculture. So in order to fix that, yeah, they brought these wasps over to to, um, to cull them. But the wasps don't know they've come over to just cull the, <laughs> the white um, cabbage butterfly. So they've also attacked other butterflies, like um, the red admiral. And what they do, if, if I can get into it, into a little bit more of a, a gruesome way, mm. potentially, um, they're a parasitic wasp, wasp species. Oh, so no. they'll, they'll go when, when the... Um, when the uh, species is just like a little pupae kind of caterpillar um, larvae stage, um, they'll inject eggs straight into the living um, pupae, mm. and then these eggs will grow into these little grub-like maggots, and then eat the pupae from the inside out, oh my God. and then they become wasps. It's it's like a it's like a zombie invasion. Yeah, yeah. like it's crazy. <laughs> it's so horrible. nature is mad. It's nature Scary, is metal, yeah. man. Yeah. Um, Wasps are another thing we should. Could, wasps to me have very few redeeming qualities, but, but, <laughs> yeah. but that's always how I come into yeah, it with yeah. scary uh, animals. So maybe maybe we can talk about wasps another. For sure. Time. Well, I think wasps sort of have a bit of a role of cleaning up 
the ecosystem a little bit because um, they like eat a lot of things, so they're a little bit of, of cleaners. But but I agree, they've, they've got a lot of sort of these uh, <laughs> these nasty habits as well. Compared to the the friendly bee, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so so they've got there's an agricultural pest that's kind of yes. Oh, that, that brought in the wasp and the wasp eating the red admirals. Yeah, I, I, yeah. Is, is there anything we can do to kind of help combat that um, that issue? That issue. Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the big things that you can do um, is you can just you grow native nettle plants in in your in your garden. Um, hopefully not the stinging ones because obviously you probably don't want those. Um, but other ones like that, and also look out for other butterfly friendly plants. Um, a lot of native plants, so a lot of native species like native butterflies need or want native plants to exist, right? So if you go to your local uh, flower shop or, or um, gardening place, ask or see if there's any butterfly-friendly plants that you could potentially plant, some native ones. I think that would be a great step. A butterfly-friendly city. Yeah, 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 yeah. wouldn't that be cool? Seeing butterflies fly around everywhere. There's one kind of very important feature of butterflies we haven't touched on quite yet, yeah. and that's... They're kind of two animals in one. Yeah, you can't right. get two for the price of one. You do, you do. With a butterfly, they metamorphize. They do, and it's and it's, it's, a, it's a crazy thing. Eh? Tell like us this. a bit about that. Yeah, so if you really think about it, right? This this little like a uh, caterpillar-like thing goes into a chrysalis, comes out, it's a butterfly. That's insane. Yeah. It How is. do they do that? Well, how they do it is even more insane, honestly. So what they do is that the caterpillar inside the chrysalis um, completely disintegrates its tissues. Um, except for something called a, some, it's a imaginal discs, which is kind of like its structure. And what it does is those discs then use the protein-rich soup that they've it's made just around. It's a soup. Them. I was just about it's to say like that soup. they turn themselves into it's soup. It's a soup. I know exactly. And they need some things that kind of help give them structure. A structure, and then they use that soup to fuel rapid cell division. That's required to form the wings, the antennae, uh, the the legs, the eyes, all these things. Which is incredible, mad, yeah, yeah. and and, yeah, and yeah. for for something like the red admiral, that happens in two weeks. So from, so it takes so two it, weeks in the chrysalis, in the chrysalis yeah. form, to then yeah. become a butterfly. Isn't wow. that crazy? Wow. So, wow. Yeah, I, I think that's that's insane. That's, that's good soup. That's good soup. That's good soup. Right? That's good soup. It's good soup. And 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 once they do metamorphize, how long do they last? Because I've always thought that butterflies don't live very long. Is that? That is that is yeah. that is correct. Yeah, I mean, uh, a, a lot of species in New Zealand they only live for about um, like a one to two year life cycle, uh, like oh. like fully. Um, okay, but like, but that's including being a, a, a caterpillar as well. As well. Um, so something like uh, I read the the black mountain ringlet larvae that takes two to three summers to grow just in the larvae phase, which is crazy, and oh, then it wow. becomes a butterfly afterwards. So but yeah, you're right. These butterflies f- don't live. Do they kind of spend fifty percent of their life as a caterpillar and then fifty as a butterfly? I think I think it, it varies depending on what species it yeah, is. Yeah, right. So I have to depending on what the species is, it'll, it'll be different. Yeah, yeah. You'd, that's, hope, that's, you'd hope you'd get more in the butterfly. More, more butterfly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you want to be able to fly more, around. More right? butterfly buck. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> but often in in um, in nature, the final sort of butterfly or or uh, when it comes to like glowworms, they also um, change shape as well. Once they reach their adult shape, that's usually the shorter end of the stick. Right. That's the the less less time they spend is usually in they really got to get down to business at yeah, that yeah. point yeah yeah oh well Andy thanks so much for coming in mate no we're, worries we're, thank you we're all lipidologists now lipidopterists lipidopterists that's, that's the one <laughs> that's the one yeah thanks so much man um, of course fascinating fascinating stuff who, who knew that we had so many who knew that there were so many so many in the world that's, that's crazy yeah, and so many native ones we have here. heaps here amazing fascinating Thanks for listening to a Radio 191 FM podcast. There are heaps more at r1.co.nz.